name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Through the grace of God, we will study tonight Psalm 20 from the book of Psalms. Uh, each Psalm has a title, and the title of this Psalm is similar to many other Psalms. The title is To the Chief Musicians, a Psalm of David. So, who is the chief musician? Some said these are the leaders of the choir, like Asaph or Heman during the time of David. Others said the chief musician is the Lord Jesus Christ, so he's chanting this psalm to the Lord. And a psalm of David means the author of this psalm is David the prophet. This psalm, Psalm 20, may have been chanted in a liturgical method as a part of the service in the temple. During their sacrifices, and this son is addressed to the king before going to a battle. So it is arranged to be prayed in the temple to support the king before going into a battle or a war. Most probably, David wrote the psalm to pray it before going to war with the Ammonites and the Syrians, who came with great numbers of horses and chariots to fight with him. You can read this story in 2 Samuel chapter 10, from verses 6 to 8, and also in First Chronicles chapter 19, verse 7. This psalm was written to encourage the people to pray for King David. The people offer up their prayers on the king's behalf. And it was customary for the people to assemble in the temple to pray, especially before any war, so that God would grant victory to the king and to his army. Also, since it is a son of David, means it is its author is David the prophet, so perhaps David took a moment of spontaneous prayer by the people on his behalf and shipped it into a song, meaning people were praying for the king, so David took their prayers and put it in a form of a song in order to remember and to recall to his memory the spiritual strength and the glory of that moment when the people prayed for him in the temple. Also, some interpreted this psalm as a prophecy about the Messiah. Some passages in it are very clear applied to the Messiah as verse 6, for example. This view was supported by many church fathers who looked at this psalm as a prophecy of Christ's suffering and his deliverance out of the hand of enemy. So the king here is Christ, 
and the father delivered him from the hand of Satan and in him all of us we will be victorious in our spiritual warfare Psalm 21 the following psalm actually is connected to Psalm 20 because it is a thanksgiving prayer offered to God after obtaining victory thanksgiving prayer offered to God after obtaining victory by the way Psalm 21 is not the shepherd according to the Hebrew numbering the shepherd the Lord's my shepherd is number 22 in the Septuagint is 21 so also this psalm is the first psalm of the third hour of the Agbaya Psalm 20 is the first psalm we prayed in the third hour of Agbaya why? in the third hour we remember the descent of the Holy Spirit and the Lord said to the disciples don't depart from Jerusalem until you receive power from on high and this psalm is about power coming from heaven so it shows the work and support of the Holy Spirit in strengthening us in our battle with the devil. According to St. Augustine, he said, this, the title of this psalm is a well-known title. And it is not Christ who speaks, but the prophet speaks to Christ. So, because it's about the king, so the prophet is prophesying about Christ under the form of wishing or foretelling things to come. This psalm is only nine verses. And we can actually, uh, the outline of these nine verses, from verse 1 to 4, a prayer for the success of the king. From 5 to 7, unwavering confidence. Confidence and trust in victory. And 8 and 9, the triumph of those who trust in the Lord. So let's start from verse 1. They directing this to the king. So they are saying, may the Lord answer you, the king, in the day of trouble, in your battle. May the name of the God of Jacob defend you. So the people here are praying for their king in a day of trouble when danger approaches. They are asking first of all that God may hear the king's prayer which in no doubt they are offered silently. So we can imagine David or any other king in the battle they are praying even silently to the Lord all the time. So the people praying, may the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. It is the pleasure of the Father to answer our prayers if we trust in Him. He grants us victory, safety, and joy. So this psalm can be directed to anyone who is going through the trouble or difficult time 
And the prayer here, may the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. So God will answer us when we trust in him, put our confidence in him. Everyone has their days of trouble. Even the apostles, the saints, the martyrs, the kings, all of us at certain moments in our life, we face pain and hardship. So we need others' prayer. As the people prayed for the king, we need to pray for one another during the day of trouble. So God will support us when we go through difficult time. In the divine liturgy in the Coptic Church, the priest pray for the people. He is presbyterus, intercessor. And the people also pray for the Pope, for the bishops, for the clergy, for the deacon, for the servant. So we can say here how we pray for each other. Clergy and congregation, while they are standing in in the church, they are praying for each other. And this is actually praised in heaven. God will like the spirit of love when we pray for one another. In the second part of verse 1, they called God, God of Jacob. May the name of the God of Jacob defend you. Jacob or Israel distinguish the true God from the false gods of the nations the idols they worshipped. But also, the purpose of saying God of Jacob, not only to distinguish him from the false gods, but also to enforce the prayer. What do I mean by enforcing the prayer? As if they are saying to God, you are God of Jacob, God of Israel, who made a covenant with your people, You said, these are my people and I am their Lord. And definitely Jacob here does not refer to the person of Jacob, the son of uh, Isaac, son of Abraham, uh, the one of the patriarchs. But Jacob refers to the nation of Israel and now in the new covenant refers to the new Israel. People who believe in God people who believe in Jesus Christ. We are the new Israel. So, God of Jacob means the God of the Christian. And you made a promise with us that we are your people and you are our God. So, when the psalmist said God of Jacob, not only to distinguish him from other gods, but to emphasize the covenant that was made between God and his people. Also, Jacob, the patriarch, the son of Isaac, the brother of Esau, had his own day of trouble. Do you remember when he wrestled with God and he was heard and was defended before meeting Esau? So, as if we are saying, as you answered Jacob, answer us. As you defended and supported Jacob and strengthened him, answer us and defend us. 
He is the same God. God of Jacob is our God also. So, in verse 1, as if they are saying, Let God, by his providence, keep you safe and secure from the reach of the evil. God who preserved Jacob in the days of his trouble, let him, by his grace, keep you free from the fear of evil. Also, in a prophetic way, we can see how David is speaking about the great battle between our greatest king, the Lord Jesus Christ, against Satan on the cross. And yes, it was a day of trouble to the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm sure you remember his words in Gethsemane when his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And the Lord said, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful even unto death. So it was a day of trouble. And also the following day, when he was hung on the cross and he fought the greatest fight with Satan and against sin and against death and bound Satan, So, God the Father here gave victory to, uh, as St. Paul said in Hebrews, he cried and he was heard because of his righteousness. Verse 2. May he send you help from the sanctuary and strengthen you out of Zion. As I told you, this psalm was chanted while they assembled in the temple during the offering of the sacrifice. So, may God uh, send help to you from the sanctuary, from the tabernacle, from the holy place where God is worshipped, where actually he supposed to reside. We call the church is the house of God. This was his seat, his throne, where he abode among the people. In the Old Testament, God used to appear on the cover of the Ark of Covenant between the two cherubs. So the prayer here is that God would accept those offerings, these sacrifices, and hear these supplications and would now send the desired help from the sanctuary where he resided and would grant his protection and aid. Also, he said, strengthen you out of Zion. It's fitting for uh, more than the, the, the physical battle. It is appropriate, for example, to support uh, Abuna or the preacher when he is preaching. Uh, because preaching, in a way, is a battle with Satan. Because we deliver the message of salvation to the people. So we are actually fighting Satan. So people here pray to the priest 
May the Lord strengthen you out of Zion when you preach that these words will be anointed by the Holy Spirit, pierce the heart of the people, and convert them to accept the message of salvation or confirm them in their faith. But the holy sanctuary on earth is just a symbol of the heavenly sanctuary. As we say in the third hour, when we stand in your sanctuary, you are considered standing in heaven. So, here actually, the sanctuary on Zion refer to the heaven of heavens. So, where God hears the prayer of his people, and you, you read in the book of uh, Revelation, that the angels lift our prayers as incense before God. So God accepts our prayers in his sanctuary, heavenly sanctuary, as a fragrant incense, and he answered them. So as if the psalmist is saying, the holy God who dwells in heaven answers the supplication that springs from a sanctified heart. Sanctified heart because you are the temple of God. That's another meaning of sanctuary. So when we offer prayer from the temple of God, from a pure heart, God actually will listen to this prayer. Uh, Jesus Christ, when he prayed in Gethsemane, we read in Luke chapter 22, verse 43, that an angel came from heaven to strengthen him. There is no help like that which is of God sending. No other help matches the help of God. No deliverance like the deliverance that comes from the holy sanctuary. Another meaning to the sanctuary, according to St. of Alexandria, the sanctuary is the person of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, as if he is saying, you know, any prayer offered to the Father in the Son, and any gift comes from the Father to us through the Son. So when he says, strengthen you out of Zion, or send you help from sanctuary, so God the Father sent help to us through his Son, the sanctuary. Verse 3, may he remember all your offerings. As I told you, they were praying the psalm while they offer sacrifices. So they are saying, may he, may God remember all your offerings and accept your burned sacrifice. So sacrifice was commonly made at important moments, like the eve of the battle. So this is a prayer that the Lord would see and receive the sacrifices that King David would offer before the war. When I say David offer, I didn't mean he will offer the sacrifices by himself because he was not a priest, but through the Levitical priesthood. And the word accept, accept, your burned sacrifice, this reminds us that not all the sacrifices are accepted before God. 
a sacrifice is not offered with faith and not in according to the ritual that God set, they will not be remembered or accepted by God. The Arabic translation has a strong meaning. Yastasmin muhriqatak. Yastasmin means may the Lord accept your offering as fat offering, as rich offering. So even if I am poor and I'm offering a poor offering, like Saint Mary when she offered, you know, she, she was poor. She offered turtle love, a turtle dove and pigeons. So here the prayer, may the Lord accept this prayer, this offering as a fat offering. Like he accepts the two mites of the widow. And the Lord said she paid more than any other person. And we in our daily battle with Satan, we will find the victory only in the sacrifice of Jesus. So the, may the Lord remember all your offering and accept your burnet offering means if you believe in the sacrifice of Jesus that you offered on the cross, then you yourself will be accepted before God the Father. That's why St. Paul in 1 Corinthians said, We preach Christ crucified, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Because in Him only, and His sacrifice only, we are accepted before God the Father. Then after verse 3, you will find word Selah. Selah is Hebrew word and actually occurred 74 times in the Old Testament. It is, it means pause. Why? It is a reflective pause. A pause to meditate and reflect on the words just spoken. So after verse 3, the chanters, they pause so the people may reflect on these three verses before they continue uh, chanting the rest of the song. So it can be a musical instruction or a musical interlude of some kind. Uh, Verse 4 May he God grant you the king according to your heart's desire and fulfill all your purpose. So, what is the desire of King David? His desire was to defend the people of God, to defend the kingdom of Israel, this kingdom that has a covenant with God. Therefore, it was good to pray and say to King David, May God grant you according to your heart's desire. Because his desire is in accordance with God's desire. So when our desires are in 
accord with the plan and will of will of God, we can pray this same prayer with confidence. Also, this prayer, may the Lord grant you your heart desire. We can look at it that may the Lord bring our desires to conform with his desire. May the Lord grant you according to your heart's desire. So in a way, we are asking God to conform our desire to his desire as we say, let your will be done. So we see this statement also applied to the Lord Jesus Christ when he went to fight against Satan to accomplish our salvation. And on a personal level, we also see that God gives each one a purpose to fulfill in his great plan of ages. Fulfill all your purpose. Fulfill all your purpose. Meaning what? We are not created haphazardly or randomly. So God did not just create people because he wants to create people. It's like a puzzle. Each one of us has a place, has a purpose to fulfill. So when God created me individually, he created me for a certain purpose to fulfill. Regardless, this purpose is small or great. You know, for example, in the computer, there is a motherboard. And there is a small nail that fixes the motherboard in its place. So, if this nail is lost, the computer will not work. Although the function of the computer, the, the, the nail, is totally different from the motherboard of the computer. But this is important and this is important. Some of us will be like the motherboard, some of us will be like the name. But both are important. So, the key to a satisfied life and a happy life is to know your purpose and to achieve this purpose in your life according to the plan of God. For example, when the Son of God was incarnate and became man, he was to fulfill a certain purpose. That's why in John 17, verse 4, he said, I have finished the work which you have given me to do. In Acts, we see how Herod arrested Jacob, or or James, son of Zebedee, and killed him. Then he arrested Peter and put him in prison to kill him, but the angel of God delivered Peter. So, Can we interpret this, that God favors Peter more than James? God actually risked the angel to rescue Peter and not James? No, definitely not. Because Peter, at the end of his life, he was martyred also. But James finished his purpose. That's why God allowed him to be martyred at this moment. Peter did not finish his purpose. There was more work for him to 
that to do. And after he finished his purpose, then God allowed him also to be martyred. So, St. Paul, for example, he had a purpose in his life. That's why at the end of his life he said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. You know, in Philippi, he was in prison in his letter to Philippi. And he told them, I know that I will be released from prison, either to the paradise or to my ministry. So he knows that he will be released. But he said, I know that I still have more service to do. That's why I know I will be released to the service. And at the end of his ministry, God allowed him to be martyred also. Verse 5. So from verse 1 to 4, as I told you, it is prayer for the success of the king. Starting from verse 5, you can see here unwavering confidence in God. As if the victory already happened. Although it did not happen yet. But they are giving thanks to God as if he finished the battle and he won the war. Everything is done. Verse 5. We will rejoice in your salvation. And in the name of our God, we will set up our banners, the banners of victory. May the Lord fulfill all your petitions. So, verse 5 can be spoken by David or rather by the high priest. So, from verse 1 to 4, chant by the congregation. Verse 5, either by David or most probably by the high priest. It expresses the joy which they would have in the expectant deliverance from danger. And their conviction that through God's strength they would be able to obtain this deliverance. The word salvation in in verse 5 here, we will rejoice in your salvation, meant the the deliverance from anticipated danger in the war. Uh, And this verse implies God would intervene to save them. It expresses in the same way their confidence that God will deliver them. And the fact that this deliverance will fill their hearts with joy and rejoicing. We will rejoice in your salvation. And in the name of our God, we will set up our banners. In the name of our God means total dependence and reliance on God, not on ourselves. Also, in the name of our Lord means this battle was in order to promote the glory and honor of God, not personal or earthly glory. It was not in their own strength, nor was it to promote their own triumph. It was that God might be honored and glorified It was with confidence of success derived from God's anticipated help. They had so much trust in the deliverance of God that they already planned to set up the banners of joyful celebration. 
in the name of our God, we will set up our banners. May the Lord fulfill all your petitions. So once again, because they did not start the war yet, once again the prayer demonstrate the confidence that God would hear and fulfill the prayer of his king. Verse 6. Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. See the confidence? He will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving strength of his right hand. Now I know because he offered prayer with the fervent heart and he offered sacrifices. That's why there is a full conviction that the prayer is granted and the triumph is assured. What was unknown from verse 1 to 5, now in, in verse 6, it is clear, it is known. Saint Athanasius the Apostolic says, God has saved Christ by raising him from the dead. So, Saint Athanasius took this in a prophetic way. Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. His anointed means his Christ. Anointed, Christ, chrismated, Messiah, Messiah. It's the same word. So Saint Athanasius, he said about this verse, the Lord here, the Father, saves his anointed Christ by raising him from the dead. So, his anointed, in a sense, refers to all the kings of Israel because they were all appointed to their office by literal anointing of oil poured upon their head. So, but this literal anointing with oil to all the kings of Israel is a symbol of the spiritual anointing with the Holy Spirit needed for their duty of leading the people of God as their kings. So when they were anointed by oil, means the Holy Spirit will anoint them. So David, when he said he's anointed, he refers to himself. But also we understand this word, he's anointed, as according to St. Athanasius, referring to the ultimate anointed one, the perfect king of kings, the Christ and the Messiah. And when Jesus was anointed, when the Holy Spirit descended upon him on the day of baptism. That's why when he entered the temple and gave him the book of Isaiah and he read the Spirit of the Lord upon me because he has anointed me, he told them, today this was fulfilled. When the Holy Spirit descended upon his head like a dove, the Lord was anointed as the king, as the prophet, and as the high priest. Yes, the Lord has saved his anointed and his people. It's true of David. But it is more perfectly true when we speak about the Lord Jesus Christ. 
he will answer him from his holy heaven. In verse 3 he said, he may send you help from his sanctuary. And I told you sanctuary refers to the holy heaven. Now he is saying he will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving strength of his right hand. So heaven represents the dwelling place of God. And God is there to hear and answer our prayers. With the saving strength, saving strength, the answer to our prayer will be manifested in the strength and the power that God will use to save us. Right hand here means the almighty power, his almighty power. But when Jesus ascended, where did he, where he was seated? He was seated on the right hand of the Father. So we can say his saving right, his saving strength of his right hand referring to Jesus. His saving strength of his right hand because Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. And as I told you, any gift comes from the Father, we receive it through Jesus. So, uh, this actually reminds us how Jesus stands at the right hand of the Father, interceding on our behalf, as we read in Romans chapter 8, verse 34, and the saving strength come from the right hand of the Father. Verse 7. Some trust in chariots. Now he is speaking about the kings that he will uh, go in battle with them. Some trust in chariots and some in horses. But we will remember the name of the Lord our God. It's not strange for David to say this. He said the similar words to Goliath when he told him, you are coming to me with power and strength, but I'm coming to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. David knew what kings and people usually trust. They trust in human strength. They trust in a chariot and horses. So David here made a strong contrast. They trust in those things, but our trust is in God. We will remember the name of the Lord our God. He acknowledges how easy it is to forget and it is illogical to not trust in God. Sometimes we trust in money, trust in connection, trust in our strength and our prestige and power, and we forget to say we will remember the name of the Lord. In the spiritual war in which we are all engaged, the first and necessary step to victory is to renounce all confidence in our wisdom and understanding or in the wisdom of the Lord. And to remember only that we can do nothing without God and to put all our trust in Him. That's why Isaac of Syria said, if you believe that there is any other way to repent other than prayer, you are deceived. If you are fighting anger, if you are fighting lust, if you are fighting sins of the tongue, in any war, if you don't fight in the name of the Lord, 
you will be defeated. Even if you gain victory, it will be temporary. But when you put all trust or reliance on God, you will be able to defeat Satan. Uh, verse 8 They have bowed those who trust in a chariot and horses. They have bowed down and fallen, but we have risen and stand upright. So, David is confident of the result. And David represented this as already achieved. He sees the enemy of those who trusted in chariot and horses have bowed down and fallen. And those who remember the name of the Lord, the host of Israel, have risen and stand upright. How different is it is the end of those who trust uh, in God from those who do not trust in him. Uh, so this deliverance, David, confidently chanted although it did not come yet that's why he still needs to cry out save O Lord and this verse 9 save O Lord may the king answer us when we call so he has confidence but since it is not yet happened so he concluded by save save O Lord. He still has his trust in the anticipated answer of the Lord. The victory of is, is assured for him, but he's still saying save O Lord. And for us the victory of our Lord Jesus Christ is our inheritance. So we will inherit the same victory if we trust in him and abide in him. The world, death, Satan, sin, all these, all these enemies will be trampled under our feet when we trust in him. But those who will rely upon their own power will be defeated. Scholar Tertullian said, When your Lord wished to enter Jerusalem victoriously, he did not even own a colt, as mentioned in the gospel. Those who have chariots and those who came on horses were defeated. But in the name of the Lord our God, we find our strength. In chanting this psalm, verse 9 was chanted by the whole congregation by the whole chorus as a conclusion of the psalm. So David is concluding this psalm by our victory in him and our uprightness through his righteousness, the righteousness of God. Save O Lord. Save O Lord is a short prayer but very powerful prayer when we say it earnestly from our heart. Confident of success and triumph, but yet they express their dependence on the Lord by saying, save Lord. They did not forget that victory must come from his hand. Then the last part, may the king 
answer us when we call. May the king answer us when we call. Who is the king? Some believe that God is spoken of here as the greatest king. So may the king answer us, may the Lord, may God, the king of kings. So, as if David, going forth to war, implores the protection of a greater king than himself, the king of all nations. But other scholars said, the king here is not God the Father, but although God the Father is the everlasting king, of course, he is the king of kings, and he hears all of us, and he hears those who call upon him. But they say, uh, the king here refer to the Lord Jesus Christ. So, as if this prayer is made to the Lord Jesus Christ, as I told you, all Psalm 20 is a prophecy to the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, so, Jesus receive our prayer and our supplication. And as our mediator with the Father, he presented these prayers to the Father as fragrant incense, because he is our high priest and our king. As our high priest, as we read in Romans chapter 8, he is interceding. So the meaning here that Jesus might receive our prayers and then deliver our prayers to the Father. Uh, So at the beginning of the psalm, the prayer that Jesus will be delivered from Satan and death and uh, sin. Then in his victory, when we call upon him, then he will hear our prayer and deliver it to the Father. So may the King answer us. Again, it is our earnest desire that God would hear our supplications in the day of trouble. Uh, So may the King answer us when we call. The word we call is a reference to earnest prayer to God from all the people that he would hear us. So the whole psalm is an expression of a strong confidence in God in a sense that the most complete dependence on him and of that assurance of success which often come into the soul when we committed the whole cause to God. So, total dependence on God equal total confidence in victory and triumph. This actually concludes Psalm 20. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.